Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right. Good to be here. This is Kurt Mortensen with Maximize Your Influence. This is Podcast 348 as we take a dive in the death of the elevator pitch. It is gone. It is dead. It is no longer here. We're going to talk about it. Ways to change it up. Why it is dead. Hope everyone's having a great week achieving their goals. Learning to become a better persuader. As parents, teachers, leaders, managers, we know we all persuade for a living. And of course, we're all mad they didn't teach us in school. A valuable life skill, a critical business skill, and we're going to get you better to maximize every aspect of your life, from your income to your relationships. Hey, went on a road trip this week, went through Las Vegas, 110 degrees, but they're like, oh, it's a dry heat. Uh, It's still heat, 110 degrees. It's interesting that some places and people are just moving on, they're done with the virus, and some people are still huddling up afraid of the virus. So I don't know where you're at, but we're seeing both sides of the table here. If you've never experienced 110 degrees, maybe you should try it out. Let's kick it off today with our geeky, scholarly, persuasion, scientific article. This comes from Psych Central, the University of Sussex in England, Tracy Pedersen, and... International Conference of Human and Computer Interaction. I'll tell you, they have a conference and journal for everything. Talking about lemon scent may bolster body image. Now, we've talked a lot about subconscious triggers on the show and our olfactory system, or we can say our smeller, our nose, that of all the senses, it triggers instant emotions. When people are near the smell of Cinnabon store cinnamon, they're more likely to donate to charity. I know many companies are pumping different smells in the workplace to stimulate more worker productivity. You know what perfume and cologne does. You smell cologne or perfume from an old boyfriend or girlfriend, instantly you're feeling it could be good, it could be bad. No secret real estate agents cook bread or cookies. Oh, I'm home. So there's some powerful things here. So they looked at the scent of a lemon and how it can improve a person's perception of body image. And they are thinking these results could be used in therapy, and also could be used to improve self-esteem. So they said our brain holds several mental models of our own body appearance. And that's important because how we perceive our body appearance is how we interact with our environment. So their studies show that the sense of smell could influence the image we have in our mind about our body and the feelings and emotions we have towards that image. And the right scent can enhance people's self-confidence and recalibrate distorted feelings of body weight. So the interesting thing about this study is it's the first time they've done it with smell. They've done it with visual stimuli, tactile stimuli, auditory stimuli, but this was the first time they did something with smell, our olfactory system. So they found that the scent of a lemon, I don't know where they got that smell or why they chose that one, but when participants smelled lemon, they felt lighter. But here's what's crazy, the scent of vanilla Made them feel heavier. Probably because that's what we put in chocolate chip cookies. Just saying, I'm not sure on that one, but that's what I think. 
So they found that lemon, the smell of lemon is associated with thin silhouettes. Well, vanilla is associated with thick silhouettes. Hmm, believe it or not, but they've used it to enhance people's perception of their body image. Interesting through the nose, our olfactory system is very powerful. You know, a smell can send you back 10, 20 years instantly, good or bad, so you can use it in your world of persuasion and influence. And that brings us to our persuasion ninja this week. Not a blunder, but a ninja. <laughs> Told you when I was on a road trip and I had finished my audio book at double speed. We've talked about that one before. And I was listening to the radio, just turned it on just to see what was happening in the world and listen to a few radio commercials. Now, the thing about a radio commercial, just like everything else, our attention spans are very low. They have to grab your attention really fast. Just like a newspaper magazine, just like the headline, they've got to grab you very, very fast. And I heard a couple that were awesome that grabbed my attention. Want to share them with you? Because think about it. What do you have? Three, five seconds to grab someone's attention? The first one was a local garage repair service. Now, I just had one of my garage doors go out and you get it fixed. So I was on my mind. I was thinking about it. And on my garage door, all I need to do is change out a circuit board. Now, I don't know about you, just recently, lately, I've been to the point where I just want to fix my own things. I'm tired of calling people to fix my stuff, so I've been fixing my own things. I don't know if that's because there's more time or YouTube, you can look things up, but I just can fix it myself. Change the circuit board, I can do this. Now, I'm not 100% sure that's what it is, and so I'm kind of sitting on the fence, but this commercial was awesome. They said, and I don't even know if this is true, but it grabbed my attention that 10,000 people every year are injured trying to fix their own garage. How awesome is that? 10,000 people are injured trying to figure it out on their own, Grab my attention. And in my mind, gave them a lot of credibility. They've done the research. Again, I don't even know if it's true, but it really grabbed my attention. So 10 points for that one. The other one... And I'm not in the market for this one. I just had my roof replaced. They said, hey, if your roof is over 15 years old, it's on the decline. Over 15 years old, it's declining. What they didn't say is that most roofs last 30 years. So if it's only 15 years old, I guess that's true. It is on the decline if it lasts 30 years. But they're grabbing people's attention. It's on the decline. Do I need a new roof? I need to call these people for a free estimate. What's going on? Grabbing people's attention. Another thing I loved about these commercials, too, We've talked about this in Moral Persuasion Influence before, is you want to make it as easy as possible, where people can pick up their phone right now and text in a number and say a certain phrase and make it easy. They're going to contact you, send you the information, making it as easy as possible. So those are the ninjas, grabbing people's attention. And think about your business and what you do. How can you quickly and instantly not only grab people's attention, build a little credibility and make it easier for them to do business with you. So that is our Persuasion Ninja of the Week. Which brings us to listener email. Oh boy! Remember you can contact me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com This is from Amal. Does not say where he's from. But he says, Kurt, the reason I'm writing is I have a question and I want to get a free subscription to InfluenceUniversity.com. So new listeners, so you know, if I use your email on the show, I give you a free subscription to InfluenceUniversity.com, which is our advanced influence training. If you want information on that, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com where you can find out about Influence University. 
Take your free Persuasion IQ assessment and get the free book, Maximize Your Influence. So here's Amal's question. And of course, Amal, I will give you the free access to Influence University. We're using your question on the show, but here's the question. Kurt, what is an elevator speech and do I need one? Well, that brings us to our content today. Thanks, Amal. I want to talk about the death of an elevator pitch. So basically, what an elevator pitch is if you were on an elevator with a stranger or with someone you can do business with, in one to two minutes before they get off the elevator, can you grab their attention and get them to do business with you? I mean, that's the mindset of an elevator pitch. What can you do? What can you explain? What can you say in a couple minutes to get people to beg you to do business with them? I mean, that's the bottom line here. And we all need that to a certain extent with what we do, whether it's an email, face-to-face, online, whatever it is, we all need to be able to be more succinct instead of vomiting and data dumping and taking 12 minutes when it only should take one minute. I mean, elevator pitch is an old sales term, but everyone uses it now, whether they're in marketing or in business, trying to explain things real fast. You have to remember, too, that our attention spans are an all-time low, so elevator pitches need to be shorter. But I want to talk about the death of an elevator pitch, that no longer is this working, is it valuable, we need to switch it up. And let's back up here a little bit and talk about the history of sales, the history of persuasion. Now, it used to be that everyone was a closer. You had to learn closing skills. Because back then, there was no internet and people didn't know about your product, your service, or your company. And so you had to explain A to Z all the way through the process and then close them. A, that takes too long. B, it's very old school. C, it's offensive. And D, it's very predictable. Now, maybe a time and place for closing skills here and there. But for the most part, people do not like that. And it causes instant resistance. Then the next phase was the consultative sale, being a consultant. Now that takes a lot of time. You have to ask a lot of questions, which is good. I'm a big fan of questions. But again, it's taken way too much time. And what's happening is people don't have a lot of time. They're very impatient. And many times you come across as a lawyer or a parent instead of a consultant. You know, what do I mean by that? I mean, we like a consultant, but when you come across as a lawyer and you're on the witness stand, and they're trying to get you to flub up asking questions, you get very resistant. Or the parent, why did you do that? Where did you go? Who are you out with? Question, question, questions. And some of the questions are like, wait a minute, I don't want to answer that. It's too personal. But they feel like they're being interrogated. Now, the new phase, since we're using words that start with the letter C, is charismatic. That's when you're the expert. You're engaging, you're empathetic. They enjoy being with you. And I'll add to that too, another E word, since we're doing E's, edutainment. What does that mean? Well, you're educating, but you're also entertaining, you're enjoyable, listen to, and you've kept my attention. It's a different world out there. And so we need to change things up. We can't do the old school closer elevator pitch thing. We need to change things up and be more charismatic. How can you be the expert and more engaging? So this elevator speech, we can change the name up. It could be your pitch. I like to call it your verbal business card, or we could call it your hook, your clickbait, your headline, whatever you want to call it. Now, when we think about clickbait and headline, those are used to draw people into the text, to get them to click, to get them to your website. Your verbal business card is used to get people to do business with you. So there's three areas I want to talk about here that can help you out with this verbal business card, this hook, this clickbait, whatever you want to call it. The first one is, be aware of your presence. 
Of course, when I was researching laws of charisma, presence was one of the four areas that you needed to master to be more charismatic. Your presence, or even we can call it your demeanor. And so when you're meeting someone for the first time, they don't know what you do. They don't know who you are. Let's just talk about your presence. Because if you don't have a good presence, nothing else is really going to matter because of first impressions. And I'm telling you with these first impressions that the cement dries fast. First one to think about is your smile, not a fake smile. Now, I'll take a fake smile over a frown any day, but a real smile. Look in the mirror. Do your eyes smile with your mouth? Do they really feel like you're happy to be there to see them? And of course, just like your mom taught you to be polite, to have good manners, I would make sure if you're face-to-face, -face, your shoulders are squared up with them, that your feet are pointing towards them. Be aware of space of your proxemics. That's the study of space. You want to make sure you're not violating their space. And now that varies by culture. That varies by where you live. People in big cities need less space than those that live in rural areas. And I think that's especially true for people that get packed into a subway. They don't need as much space as someone that is on a farm. But be very aware of space, how much space you're taking, and are you violating their space? And then, of course, the handshake. Now, I don't know if we'll ever shake hands again, this dang virus thing. But interesting, we've talked about this before in the show. Go to the archives at influenceuniversity.com if you haven't heard me talk about the handshake. An interesting study showed that a bad handshake will set you back one hour in building rapport. Right? Too many pumps, too sweaty, too soft, too hard. You name it, people tend to blow it. Now, with a handshake... I would mirror their strength. I would make sure you're not sweaty. And I would wait, even now, if they're going to extend their hand, if you even want a handshake. But I would try to touch them, not in a weird, strange way. But if you at least touch elbows, there's just something about touch that connects you with people. We've seen people do the feet where they just do the left foot, then the right foot they touch. You can do the bump. Try to touch if you can. There is a connection there. Just put it out there just saying... So that's the first one, your presence, your warm, your demeanor. Very important before you launch into anything. The second thing, and this is your goal, the question trigger. Now, what do I mean? Your goal during this encounter, this verbal business card, this hook, this clickbait, is to get them to ask you a question. This is not a time to vomit all the things you do. It's not about you anymore. It's about them. You've got to reverse the role. Now, in my college days, in my early persuasion days, I used to stand in front of retail stores like Kmart. I don't even know if there's any Kmarts around. And as people approached the store, my goal was to interview them and get them interested for more information on a vocational school. And I was paid handsomely for every person that wanted more information. And I found many times I could vomit on them, tell them what I was doing, but if I start asking them questions or try to get directions or more information or something, eventually they'd ask me, you know, what are you doing here? What's going on? What do you need? <laughs> they asked me what I was doing, which opened the door to persuasion. And this is what's happening here. You got to think, what can you do for them instead of your mind being focused on you, you, you? Now, when you do this, you can be vague here. Now, people might ignore you when you do these things, and that's okay. It tells you they're not interested. Or it's not the type of person you want to work with. This is not going to work 100% of the time because some people ask you about what you do or about your day and they never listen to the answer. I mean, try it out. Hey, how's your day going? Rotten. Oh, good, good, good. You know, they're not listening. That's not the type of person this is going to work with. But the other people will ask you what you do for a living. 
or you're in an elevator and you have that one to two minutes to try to get someone to do business with you, this is going to work. So you can be vague. You can say, I solve problems. They're like, oh, what, what, what problems? They just ask you a question. I'm a rainmaker. Rain, rainmaker, what do, what do you mean? I'm a fix-it person. I'm a fix-it man. What do you fix? You see what's going on here? They're asking a question. They're opening the door. They're, they basically give you permission to give more information instead of vomiting on them. So you can say something just real quick, really vague to get them to say, well, what do you mean? I don't get it. I don't understand. Tell me more. That is your goal here. Get them to ask you a question. Ding, ding, ding. Now you can tell them more about what you do. Or, hey, have you ever had a prospect or customer that wanted your product, needed your product, could afford your product, but didn't buy from you? I guarantee they'll never happen again. Well, how do you do that? I help entrepreneurs make an extra $2,000 a week. Have you ever wanted to achieve financial independence? Wonder what's taking so long? I show people how easy it is. I make millionaires on the internet. See what's going on here? Your goal is to get them, well, how do you do that? What do you mean? Solve problems with what? What are you talking about? So you could be vague or just kind of paint a little picture there so they could say, well, what do you mean? How do you do that? So when that happens, don't answer it. Don't launch into an elevator pitch. You say, well, tell me exactly what you do. What do you do? Let me ask you a few questions. Then you could customize what you say and prove your worth. For example, my world. I'm a persuasion trainer. I'm an influence coach. I teach people how to do persuasive presentations. So that's pretty broad many times. And so I adapt. If I talk to someone and I launch into this and I find out they're in network marketing, I would say, well, I get people to beg you to join your business. And then I would shut up and they would say, well, how do you do that? I ask them a few more questions and then I would adapt to them. Someone's in customer service, I would say, well, I help angry customers become your greatest fans and recommend other people to your business. Oh, well, how do you do that? Starting to a CEO, I increase sales by 27%. And I'd shut up until they started asking more questions and I'd ask them more questions. If it was a mid-level manager, I teach managers who are frustrated with their upward mobility how to influence without authority, without their position. If I found out they give presentations, I'm like, you ever had a presentation, you heard crickets at the end and no one was moving or they all said no, I've discovered how to give a perfect persuasive presentation. Or if I was talking to a sales rep, I double people's close rates. You see where we're going here? Your goal at this phase is the trigger. Get them to ask you a question. Don't answer the question, ask them more questions until you know exactly what they do. Step number three is you prove your worth. That's where you spend some time to serve them, to give them something of value, to teach them something new. That is your goal. It's all about them, what you can do for them, that you can solve their problems, that you can serve them, that you're a value, that you're the expert here. This is your job to show them that you're the expert, especially if you teach them something new in the first couple of minutes about what they're doing to prove your worth, to give them something of worth. That makes all the difference in the world. It's not you, you, you anymore. And hoping those persuasion darts stick if you remember that podcast, again, if not, go back to the archives, prove your worth. Because the key here, this is one of the 12 laws of persuasion in maximum influence, is the law of reciprocity, law of obligation, is just give, 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 help them out. Because when you give them something, maybe you're serving them, you're helping with the problem, you're listening, you give them something of value, an audio, a video, your time, something You've taught them something new that's really going to help them in their life and their business, those type of things. This reciprocity, what that does 
is number one, they're going to remember you more because you help them, you serve them. It puts you higher on the list. What I mean by that is that when they need something with reciprocity, since you spent the time to help them, to serve them, you're higher on the list to do business with. And of course, it gets you to prove your worth, that you're good, that you're the expert, that you care, that you are able to solve their problem. So that is the answer to the question with the elevator pitch that is dead. We need to switch it up. We need to call it something different. Call it your clickbait. Call it your verbal business card. Call it your hook. Whatever it is, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. Don't be the old school closer that's offensive and predictable and causes resistance. Move to the world of being more charismatic. You're the expert. You're engaging. You're empathetic. It's enjoyable to talk to you. That is what they are looking for. So that is our podcast today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your emails. And of course, we're under Maximize Your Influence on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And of course, if you want more information about what we talked about today, Magnetic Persuasion is the program for you. That's my best-selling program that takes a deep dive in the 12 laws of persuasion and how to apply those. That will be available at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. I'll put a link there. The key, as you know, just take one thing that I talked about today. I know I'm very high content, but just take one thing that you learned today, that you discovered, that you're like, oh, okay, I could do better there. I need to use that. One thing, make it part of you. Consciously apply it the next week. Use it. Become more influential. Become a better leader. Master your negotiation skills and go out and persuade with power.